A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. and welcome to another episode of the Lizelle Wellbeing Show, the podcast that brings you your weekly wellness wisdom you can trust. And grateful thanks to all those who have sent messages into us about the series. Hi to Kat and Shelley, who say they both learnt a lot from listening to our experts. And Rachel writes on iTunes, fab podcast, listen every week, can't get enough. Well, thanks for sticking with us. I hope you're listening today, Rachel. I love reading your comments. And if you'd like to get in touch, you will find me on social media at Lizelle Me or my magazine team and I are at Lizelle Wellbeing and please do leave us that all-important review on your podcast platform of choice as it really does help other people find us and maybe they can get the expert help they need here too. Now who amongst us can actually say they enjoy going to the gym or out for a run? or joining the latest HIT class. Yes, we know the benefits and we may well feel better afterwards, but if a certain form of exercise is something that you secretly dread, then perhaps it's time to listen to your body, or at the very least, my guest today. Now, Tally Rye is an intuitive movement fitness coach and the author of the book, Train Happy, and host of the podcast of the same name. Now, Tally is on a mission to change the way we think about exercise, switching the narrative from one of self-punishment to self-care, which can only be a good thing, right? Well, Talia is here to tell us how we can learn to love our workouts and our body image, no matter our age or our size. Hi, Talia, warm welcome. Thank you, Liz. You really have a voice for radio, I have to say that. <laughs> At least that, well, do you think I've got a face for radio? That's usually what people say. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> I just love listening to that. Well, that is very kind of you. Thank you. And it's lovely to have you well, from one podcast to another. Tell us a little bit about yourself for people that don't know you, your work or your podcast. Yeah, so I'm a personal trainer and I've been working in the fitness industry now for almost eight years. I've been predominantly a personal trainer, but also sharing content online. And I really specialize in intuitive movement, as you say, which is all about helping people and their relationship with exercise. So really focusing on looking at the kind of physical and mental health benefits rather than just thinking about exercise as merely a way to change your body and so I've been doing that and I've been fortunate enough to get to write a book about that Train Happy and the Train Happy Journal and also create my podcast Train Happy Podcast about that because Mm. I think um, there's sadly not much conversation around this and so I felt like if I could do one thing in the fitness industry it would be try to bring that to the fore. 
Well, I think that's very interesting. And for those who haven't seen you, haven't seen you on social media or wherever, I think it's important to say that you don't look like your average personal trainer that you see on Instagram. You're not a super skinny mini and, you know, showing off your abs all the time. It's much more than that for you, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, sadly, we associate, you know, health and fitness and being a fitness professional as, like you say, looking like you've got a certain look that we see on the cover of health and fitness magazines. And yet, so, you know, fit people come in all shapes and sizes and we all look different. And I actually think if if people could relate more to the fitness industry in terms of what they see and what they feel is represented and if they, they feel represented, then they're far more likely to engage in physical mm-hmm. activity, in wanting to move, in feeling like they're not going to be judged. And I know, you know, some people are really naturally muscular and lean and, and all of that, but a lot of us aren't. And so, you know, I've been on, you know, on my own journey as well. I think I started in the fitness industry looking every inch the epitome of what we consider a fitness professional to look like you know six pack and all but for me it was just I was in a really unhealthy place with food with exercise with my body image and it was obviously massively unsustainable for me and so the last kind of eight years of working on that healing those relationships and allowing my body to just be whatever it is you know, knowing that I'm looking after not just my body, but my mind as well, I think has been a really important part of my own journey and something I really want to try. You know, I want others to think, to know that, you know, just because we're not our smallest self doesn't mean we're not our healthiest self and our, you know, our mentally healthiest self. And I think that often really gets missed out of the equation. And so, you know, I hope that there are plenty more other personal trainers and instructors who feel like they can show up no matter what they look like, because what makes you good at the job is how you treat people, how you communicate with people, how you create a safe environment and a a fun environment where people feel like they want to move and they can learn, you know, different skills and try different things. Um, And, you know, what you look like really shouldn't be part of the you know, job criteria. And I think sadly, it has been for too long. Now, you talk very openly about your relationship with food uh, in the past, and certainly to having had that been quite a controlling relationship. How did you then overcome that and and say, it doesn't really matter? You know, I, I don't I don't need to keep this super skinny, you know, tight, taut bod to be good and fit and be able to talk about health and fitness with other people. How did you overcome that relationship? Because I think that's quite difficult for a lot of people. They do feel controlled by their food when it comes to looking fit. It's so, do you know what? It is so difficult. And for me, it took a long process. Um, And I think I initially really got into fitness. And my background was I trained at drama school. I wanted to be a musical theatre. I really thought that was my career path. But whilst training at drama school, I started to get into working out um, and get into the gym and think about health and fitness, just wanting to be a super fit and healthy performer at the time. And so much of the information I was looking at, you know, whether that be on blogs, on Pinterest, on, you know, just Googling articles from fitness magazines, all the advice I was getting was that I had to cut this out. I had to, you know, I should be training a certain way. I should be eating a certain way. 
And I very naively, I'm, you know, I'm early in my 20s at this point, and I very naively just followed that information and really didn't use any critical thinking skills in terms of thinking, does this apply to me? It, you know, is this helpful for me in my situation? And I think I looked to kind of early Fitzbo and all that kind of stuff. And I ended up going down a really slippery slope of you know, wanting, initially really just wanting to be my healthiest, fittest version of myself to developing this really controlling relationship with exercise that you mentioned. And Mm. for me, it was a lot about tracking what I ate. It was really about this idea of eating clean and everything and having to know all the ingredients in my food and having to have everything perfectly presented and you know having to cook all my food and not really feeling feeling very uncomfortable if I wasn't in control of you know cooking and all that kind of stuff and so sadly I think for me and I think for so many people with their relationships with food what is considered normal and encouraged behaviors are actually really disordered behaviors and for me having to religiously look up menus in a restaurant to eat out and then you know studying all the calories and everything which I think is only going to be harder nowadays because we've just had calories come back on calories on all menus you know those kind of things like you know a healthy relationship with food doesn't get bogged down by those numbers and doesn't obsessively think about them all day and plan their whole week and day around when they're going to go out for a certain meal you know I think but we kind of I think a lot of us end up going down that route because we're just constantly what's presented as you know get fit get healthy can often be these you know, maybe subtle disordered behaviors, but if you, if you kind of add them all up, it can mm-hmm. get really harmful and, and we can all really struggle. And I think it's actually, you know, like you say, a, a lot of people, you know, I, I consider disordered eating on and, and eating disorders on a spectrum. And, you know, if we think of eating disorders, we think of people who don't eat anything and they look emaciated and we associate that that is what someone with a bad relationship with food looks like. But actually, that's probably at one end of the scale, but you have a sliding scale leading up to that, whereby, you know, along that, along the way, you have, you know, having to check every ingredient and every food. That might be one little thing you have and, or you, you know, consciously, or you, you know, if you go out for a big meal on the weekend, then you don't let yourself eat, um, you know, eat super low calorie on Monday. And, you know, all these little things that people would just consider as like, oh yeah, that's just what we do. I think should be more recognized as like, oh, this is actually not a healthy relationship with food. And so for me, I discovered the work of intuitive eating, um, which kind of relates to intuitive movement and I'm sure we'll get into that but intuitive eating is a framework by two dietitians called Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch and they created this framework um, in about 1995 I believe and the framework is of 10 principles that really help you reflect on and strip back and kind of dissect your relationship with food and then help you rebuild it so that you learn how to trust your body. You know, you trust your kind of hunger and fullness cues. You know what satisfies mm-hmm. you. You're eating for pleasure and enjoyment rather than eating for to be small and to eat the lowest <laughs> calories and, you know, to just to kind of feel like, oh, well, I've got to eat something and I'm an awful person if I 
order the steak rather than the salad you know oh I, give, give me a steak anytime I mean for <laughs> me I guess it's about being balanced and about being aware of of eating well without being obsessive and not obsessively doing things I mean I'm not a fan of calorie counting at all I think you know all calories aren't equal and actually we need to have good levels of nutrition and your body has its own kind of set point anyway, doesn't it? And, and it's quite hard to fight that and, and perhaps try and make yourself into a shape that you're not meant to be. Absolutely. And, you know, that that was so my own experience. To be honest, I was about the same size I am now as a teenager. Mm-hmm. And I'm a very, probably a solid UK 14. And through drama school, I desperately, I kind of really dieted down and I thought, oh, actually I'm you know, a lot smaller. Um, and I kind of got there, mm. you know, in my early 20s. And then the rest of that time was spent trying to kind of go, you know, my body was just desperately trying to get back to where it wanted to be. And actually, I found that I had a pretty good relationship with food and my body in my teens. I didn't really exercise. But now as I have, I think, and it was a through the kind of late teens, early 20s, mid 20s, when I was really struggling the most with my relationship with food. And I found that now I'm in my 30s. And I've kind of just re- I've relaxed so much around that. Like I said, intuitive eating really helped me unpack all of that stuff. And now I'm really connected with my body and I really trust my body. And therefore, I trust my body to be the size and shape it needs to be. And knowing that you know, I try to fight that before. And yet, actually, my body really wants to be this size. This is kind of my shape. If I look at, you know, my mum, my grandma, we are all a similar build. And, yes. you know, there's a certain genetics you can't fight. And of I course. think a lot of us, and, you know, and I always think we never try and change our shoe size, you know, or our height. We just kind of accept <laughs> that that's, that's the yes. genetic lottery. And yet everything in between, we're like, oh my goodness, I have to be able to control this. And I think, you know, if we talk about diet culture, which I do a lot, we think about the messages we receive around bodies and food and exercise. Everything is Mm -hmm. sold as, you know, you're personally and solely responsible for this and you are in complete control. And I think, you know, well, I know that that isn't true. I know that there are so many multiple factors that contribute to your you know, physical health and your shape and your weight. And so, you know, actually food and exercise is actually a very small piece in the puzzle. Um, And I think that knowing that for me gave me a lot of peace and gave me a lot of comfort saying that, you know, I'm, it's not my personal, you know, I'm not a failure for not being able to control my body to, you know, why does everyone else seem to look like X, Y, Z and I can't seem to do it. I'm trying to do all the right things Mm -hmm. and actually go, do you know what? There's so much outside of my control. And, you (laughs) know, I just, if I just, you know, one of the things I say in my book is, you know, our bodies, we've been pitted against our own bodies for so long, you know. And actually, when you work with your body, that's the most powerful thing you can do, you know, for your overall well-being. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I'm really, really big on, you know, not trying to fight yourself, but working with yourself and being on the same team. And I think that was one of the biggest, most powerful shifts I've made. And, you know, that's something I really 
try and encourage people with not only with their relationship with food, but with the way they view exercise as well. I think that is so empowering. You're you're really resonating with me there. And I think just that simple line that you've said, we need to be on the same team. You know, we need to be on the same team as our bodies. We're all on the same side here. And, you know, I've had a similar journey in that I haven't liked my body shape for a long time. And I, I'm still not completely happy with it. But, you know, I, I'm very accepting of it and grateful for it, particularly because I, I have a daughter who's very unwell and her body doesn't function properly. And I think that has put a lot of things into perspective for me. And I've always disliked the shape of my legs, for example. But there's absolutely stuff all I can do about that because they are the length and shape that they are. But I'm super grateful that I have legs that work, that get me from A to B and that I can jump around on. And that has made me feel much more comfortable, I think, overall about my whole relationship with with food and fitness in general. One of my favourite quotes, and I would love to say that I came up with this, but I didn't. Um, It's one I've included in my Train Happy Journal, and it's by Lindsay and Lexi Kite, and they have a non-profit organisation in the US called Beauty Redefined, and they have a book called More Than a Body, and I so strongly recommend everyone to read it. But they, they're kind of, one of their quotes and mantras is to remind yourself that your body is an instrument to be used, not an ornament to be looked at. And I think for women especially, that's so powerful because when, like you say, when you realize that actually these legs allow me to hike up a mountain and see incredible views and allow me to spend time with my family and you know you know go on you know take your dog for a walk or play around with your children and I think these Mm -hmm. are really important things that we need to remind ourselves and to have greater appreciation of if we're going to cultivate a a body image that is founded on you know, who we are and what we're capable of doing. And I, and I mean what we're capable of doing in more than a physical sense. In really, you know, I mean, Liz, you're founded an incredible business. You've built an empire and that's amazing. And I think to discredit yourself and go, oh, you know, to go like, oh, but if only I look 10 years younger and I, you know. Yeah, my leg- if only my legs were a better shape. 100% <laughs> you're like, wait a minute, yes. I am... I am doing seriously incredible things. I am being ahead of my time in so many ways. And look at what I've been able to build and create and use my skills and intelligence and all of those things. Like if we focused on those things and we, Mm -hmm. you know, founded our self-esteem on those things, then I think our body image would take less of a battering when our weight does change. And I know lockdown for so many people, a lot of us did gain weight. And I think it really can kind of knock you back and can yes. feel very disorientating. But I think that's because we try and build our body image and build our self-worth on what we look like rather than who we are. And I really, you know, through intuitive movement, we have nine principles. And one of those principles is about body image. And one of the things I try and get across to people all the time and in the journal as well is, you know, Figuring out who you are and being proud of that and being proud of what you've achieved and what you've done and how you treat people and how you show up in the world. And, you know, those things are far more constant than a number on the scale and mean mean a far lot more (laughs) than Mm -hmm. that kind of arbitrary number. So 
it's really important we focus on those things and not get bogged down in, you know, what we see in the mirror. Because I think we can all look in the mirror every single day for a week and feel different about it every single day. Because it's kind of a, a false reality, isn't it? It's kind of how we feel our emotions. And there are so many things that go into it that I think if we try and base our self-worth off, off of that, we're only set up to fail. You know, we're building a house of cards. And if one little thing falls away, then all of it falls down. Whereas if we kind of build a sturdier foundation, then we're much less likely to, like I say, to feel, you know, completely knocked back when our body does change or our health status changes, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think because we're not building our soul identity around that. I think that's just such a great insight. And after the break, we will come back and talk about the movement side of intuitive movement. But before we go, I think it's important just to touch and finish perhaps that conversation about eating, because obviously what we're not saying is this is not carte blanche to sit on the sofa and, and eat, you know, banana bread all day. What are your views on eating for fitness? What do you say when people say to you, yeah, but, you know, actually, what should I be doing? Should I be looking at certain things or not looking at certain things? Or do you just discount that altogether? You know, I think it kind of depends. If you're working on your relationship with food and you recognize that you have a really tricky, difficult relationship with food, not stressing about the the minute details is really helpful. And actually just focus on overall that relationship and unlearning a lot of those rules you've had and you know those um those kind of disordered habits that you've had and working through that is really important I think so within intuitive eating the final principle is called gentle nutrition and that is all about um you know once you're ready thinking about how can nutrition support me and you know there's going to be times when I need to make smart choices you know there's going to be certain physical demands in my life that require I need energy at certain times and and different types of energy at different moments in life. And so, you know, I'm really conscious that with one thing I, I see time and time over again as a personal trainer is that people generally, I think because we're all, you know, try to kind of win the award for eating the least amount of possible, um, <laughs> we don't eat enough and we're not giving ourselves enough energy to when we do move our bodies to actually um, perform at our absolute best, you know, mm. and we're all different. And I think we all need to really trust ourselves and our, and kind of where our hunger's at at different times. You know, some people aren't breakfast people, some people are, you know, we kind of have to take that into consideration and figure out what's best for you and, and your kind of patterns. But Overall, I would say, especially when engaging in the exercise, you know, making sure that you're perhaps having a little snack before, making sure you're having, you know, food afterwards. And like you say, it kind of depends on what you're doing. But thinking about, are, you know, is there a source of protein in my meal? Are there carbohydrates in my meal? I think that's one thing people are really scared of. But we need those so desperately for moving our bodies um, and thinking about those fat sources as well. Like, what? how can I get those in? Um, and so, you know, there's easy combinations. I think for what the biggest thing I'd like to think about with nutrition is ease. How can, uh, how can I make sure that, um, I've got something that's full you know, filling and satisfying and easy and ready to go so that when I go and I love doing spin classes. So if I'm going to do a spin class that I've made sure I've got enough energy in the tank to actually go and do it to the full capacity I want to do it so you know one of the things I love is 
I don't know, I love even just a bit of yogurt, banana, peanut butter. That for me is such a winning combo. And I know I've got everything there. It's going to be a really yes. filling snack. It's going to keep me going. And then I can go and do my class, you know, great. Um, but yeah, I'm like you. I, I, having been a very militant calorie counter, I have to, I have to not do that for my own sanity, to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, so I, I really, I really trust myself now to know what foods work for me and yes. you know how much I need and I think the other thing is as well is you know just to not compare yourself to other people if you're hungry and you need to eat you go eat and the beauty of that is as you begin to trust yourself you figure out what you know how much you need and what amounts work for you and what combinations work for you and sometimes you'll eat something and actually notice that you have some breakfast and you do feel hungry a lot quicker after eating that versus um something else so you know that if you're looking to you don't have time to have a snack in the morning say then you make sure you have a more filling you know something filling and you figure that out for yourself and I think it's really important you know that it's always personalized and yeah that that's my biggest encouragement when it comes to nutrition I think that's very good advice and we're going to take that quick break now. But when we come back, we are going to be talking more things, body positivity and also how to get back to fitness if perhaps you've been a bit afraid of getting started, maybe after the lockdown and talking more about intuitive movement. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, welcome back. And Tally, let's switch the conversation now on to intuitive movement. And can you define what it is? How did you discover it? And what are the benefits of it? How does it actually work? So we've been talking about intuitive eating and that was created by these two dietitians. And one of their principles of intuitive eating was joyful movement. And really focusing, like you say, on finding that joy and fun fitness again. And doing my own work through intuitive eating, I realized that that principle of joyful movement kind of needed to be expanded upon and just as complicated as our relationship with food can be, so can our relationship with exercise. And so I, inspired by the 10 principles of intuitive eating, wanted to write about kind of in parallel the principles of intuitive movement and how we can really think about our relationship with exercise from lots of different angles um, so that we can challenge diet culture, we can build the trust in our bodies and we can find the joy in moving our bodies again. And so I wrote about that in my book, Train Happy. And then most recently I brought out the Train Happy Journal and that really is an opportunity to kind of apply these principles. So the foundation of intuitive movement as with intuitive eating is called reject the diet mentality. And it's this idea that we let go of being in that constant dieting cycle and let go of thinking that exercise is only about how many calories I can burn and um, how I can change my physical appearance and say, do you know what? Um, That hasn't been working for me. There's a reason I'm, you know, either not moving my body at all because I get very stuck in an all or nothing cycle or I'm very rigid with movement and it's actually becoming a bit of a... um, it's actually really impacting on my day-to-day life or perhaps you feel that exercise has never been for you and you just can't relate to it because so many of us have only associated exercise with changing our weight or appearance and Mm. so removing that can be a really powerful way of redefining what movement means to you and therefore being able to reintroduce it into your life for the long term so it becomes a sustainable practice that you actually enjoy and you actually look forward to rather than feeling like oh it's another thing I have to do a kind of chore that I dread doing that I I think has to be torturous and painful to be effective Um, instead we're looking to figure out you know how you like to move you know, and what works for you. And I always say, you know, especially as a trainer, people always say like, what's the best workout to do? What workout should I be doing? You know, mm-hmm. and often because the that question's asked under the assumption that exercise is merely a weight loss tool or um, a way to manipulate your aesthetics. And it's not about, so it's kind of like, what's going to burn me the most calories? What's going to get me, you know, Elle McPherson's that body? six pack. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Like what's going to make <laughs> me look like these models? Yeah. And I think um, we, that is holding so many of us back. And so I always say, um, and kind of intuitive movement is based on the framework that the best workout for you is the one you enjoy 
and the one that you do and the, exactly <laughs> surely and the one that you can do consistently yes. yes because you know so many people it come it comes to January because we feel like we get this one time a year where we get to um, eat all these different foods uh, you know we so many people then feel out of control around Christmas and New Year and feel like they've drunk loads they've eaten loads of food that they probably don't usually eat all throughout the year and mm. they get to January and then they feel like they have to kind of repent of all their sins and that includes using exercise as a and going really hard with it and getting into a really intense and probably really overwhelming um, exercise routine that n- that when life kicks in again is no way sustained and no way sustainable. So what are the different ways then that we can move our bodies and can these really be as effective and as good for us as a run or a trip to the gym? Yeah, so I always say that all movement counts. If you love running, if you love going to the gym, that's fantastic. If you don't identify with those things and they don't resonate with you, there are so many ways to move your body. And so there's no one right way. Your way could be kayaking, it could be dance classes, it could be climbing, it could be skipping, it could be yoga, pilates, it could be walking the dog you know, going out in the garden and looking after your garden. It can be all of those things. It can be hoovering your carpets. It can be all those things. And I think when we broaden our view of what movement is, we therefore get to enjoy it more and take the pressure away of feeling like I have to do this for 60 minutes. I have to, you know, wear a Fitbit and it has to tell me whatever else. You know, the goal is to just you know, be active um, Mm -hmm. and figure out how being active can fit into your life. And I think, like I said, because we've been sold this thing that fitness is just about a way to change our bodies, that so many of us end up doing whatever's kind of in fashion at the time. And, you know, more recently that has been more of the gym and weights and all that stuff. But, you know, historically that's been you know, if we think Jane Fonda workouts and all that sort of stuff. So there's been so many, there's always a kind of a trend for the moment of whatever's best for your body in terms of, you know, if you think about how fitness is spoken about, you know, in articles in the media, you know, like to tighten your glutes and to, you know, get rid of your bingo wings and stuff. But we keep, if we keep kind of just going after whatever's the latest thing because we think that's we're finally going to find the miracle cure for our bodies and we actually say that you know what my body isn't a problem that needs fixing so if I I'm going to think of it completely differently and I'm going to say okay well what movement makes me feel good so that I have the you know mental clarity the energy the kind of confidence to go about the rest of my life what's going to support me in that and so for some people that's I love pilates I love doing spin classes I love doing walks and for some people you know I've got one of my clients I'm working with who loves doing pole fitness who's going swimming who's you know doing open water swimming doing really cool stuff that I think so often we haven't deemed valid or worth doing because it wasn't what the fitness magazines or publications had had told us was like the workout to burn those calories and so we kind of dismiss it as like oh it doesn't really count or it's not worth it or you know I I don't sweat enough in yoga so I'm not going to do it and I think we have to get rid of that and say okay what makes me feel good and so I always encourage people you know 
really think about how do you feel before you move? How do you feel during you move? And how do you feel after you move? And if you can see that there's a pattern of, you know, that certain types of movement help you feel really good afterwards. So you really notice that my boyfriend, he's loves running. I can't relate. I don't love running at all, but he really noticed and he gets up like the crack of dawn to go. And I just, I can't relate. I love sleeping. So he's up at, you know, 6am going for a run. And he, you know, he says on the days he doesn't do that. And he's like, Oh, I just, I'm feeling really anxious. I'm not as thinking as clearly at work. I'm just, I just really noticed that it's really getting me down. And so when he does, he, and when he does get in a nice routine of, of making that time for himself, he, it really, he really notices the positive impact on his energy, his headspace and, you know, how he's, is with other people. And I think if we can think about it in that way, we're, we're far more likely to find, like we say, the things that we enjoy and therefore, you know, get into a good routine with doing those things. So you are a fitness professional. So what does a typical Tally Rye fitness class look like? And how, how, how do you make that all encompassing and perhaps less intimidating than going to a conventional gym type fitness class? Yeah, so regardless of what the actual activity is, I think I'm one thing I'm really passionate about is making, you know, not using diet culture language. So not saying like, right, we're going to do this to earn our lunch or something I'm really Mm -hmm. conscious of taking all of that out of it and really focusing on how the movement can benefit our bodies in terms of you know saying we're going to do squats to strengthen our legs so we can you know hike up a hill and or we you know we feel you know stronger or we have you know greater strength as we get older you know trying to think of the actual practical applications of what those exercises how those exercises can benefit us physically and then Mm -hmm. also focusing on how we feel and really encouraging people to listen to their bodies and trust their bodies and I think you know one of the things within the fitness industry side of things from an industry perspective is often us as instructors and trainers don't trust our clients to to make the judgments on their own bodies which is ridiculous because it's quite arrogant for me to say that I know your body better than you do and that you should only listen to me and that I'm the complete authority on everything I think you know so I really try and work with my clients and with my classes to help empower people to listen to their bodies so you know one of the key things within intuitive movement is a is a principle called unconditional permission to rest and it's this idea that no matter Mm. what you don't need an excuse to rest and that can mean in the physical sense of in life we need to rest but in the very specific context of exercise that can be say during a spin class I'm teaching a class and you know it gets halfway through and you need a breather and you need an extra drink of water and you need to towel down I'm not going to tell you to stop doing that. I'm going to trust that you need that, you know, you need that minute, you need that time to just gather your energy to to join back when you're ready. And I used to pride myself as an instructor as thinking that I was really hardcore and intense that people came to my class and they were like dead at the end. Because I thought that's how I had to be. I I thought that was what was expected of me as an instructor. And I've realized Mm -hmm. actually... 
I completely changed the way I approach things. And I realized that people come to my classes because I allow them to trust their bodies. I allow, you know, I really try to create a judgment-free space where people can listen to their bodies and do what feels right for them. And, you know, I think one of the things that I think people attending classes and class instructors need to hear is that we, you know, as an instructor, I never know what's happened for you that day, that morning, the day before, that week, you might be really going through something, you might have had a terrible night's sleep and Mm -hmm. you're just not on top form, you might have just a million other things on your mind and I think movement is such an opportunity to just have time for ourselves and we spoke about that thing of it being a form of self-care and that self-care can just be just a way, you know, as an instructor, like I can just take away the extra stress of someone having to think of something and just go like, just try this and do this. And they can get to kind of switch their brain off for a bit and just move their bodies and have time to kind of decompress and be and think and, and feel. And so, you know, rather than feeling like I have to kind of completely kill everyone in my classes, I just want people to leave, you know, feeling a bit better about themselves feeling a bit better about whatever's going on for them and feeling like they had time for themselves that day because ultimately Mm. when we're moving our bodies it should just be about that self-care time and it should be a chance to just you know connect with yourself um and be in your body and I think that's really important as we navigate so many other stuff that's outside our control and I feel like the world feels like it's on fire at the moment and maybe even just finding 20 minutes in your day to kind of just have that chance to breathe and chance to do what feels good can be a really nice distraction. I I think that's absolutely true and I'm interested actually before we go to hear how you see things have been changing especially I think post-pandemic and coming out all the after all the devastations of lockdown and not being able to get outside and move and to you know to be so fearful and frightened of almost you know everybody and everything do you see that there is a shift now in focus particularly with movement and fitness into an emphasis on how to stay well how to have a stronger immune system to have more resilience to stress that kind of thing is that something Something that you're encouraging people to build into their fitness I, I do think that we are sensing a shift I think that there is a part of the industry and I think there's a there's definitely a will from people in general that we are finding you know thinking of movement as one of the tools in our self-care kit because we all know that wow if we didn't have one pre-pandemic, we'd all definitely need one for whatever may come in the future. And, you know, I like to think of exercise as not the sole tool because it it isn't, you know, a replacement for therapy and it isn't just, you know, the only thing that we can have to support our mental health, but can be one tool that we can call upon um, and, you know, use to help navigate us through really stressful times and I think so I'm really positive and hopeful and I feel like we are making more of a shift in terms of talking about mental health and movement and thinking and and I think a lot of people realize that kind of hating your body into exercise and feeling like you have to punish yourself through exercise is not good 
for our mm. mental health. I, I, lo- I love that mind shift of exercise not being punishment, mm. but of actually being such a good, positive, stress-busting, joyful thing. Mm. One of the things I love actually about your Instagram is when you're dancing around. Oh, I love it. You know, <laughs> you're dancing in the kitchen. You know, it actually really encourages me to, with my kids to put some music on, some tunes, play them loud and, and to move to dance around, to let rid of the stress from the shoulders, the back. And I hope that anybody listening to this, you know, afterwards is going to go and find their favourite dance songs and play it loud and and jig about a bit. That's one of my biggest recommendations (laughs) to people. You cannot beat a kitchen dance party. You cannot beat it. And actually one of the things I ended up doing during COVID was doing kind of dance party workouts. And I ended up doing them on Instagram and it was just total kind of... um, it wasn't planned. It was just kind of a very natural thing that kind of came about <laughs> where um, I started putting these workouts together that were all based around kind of dancing. Because I think obviously you can take the girl away from musical theatre, but you can't take musical theatre away from the girl. So there's always oh, that. Oh, there you are. But um, yes. also there's nothing like it, is there? Moving to music for me is my favourite thing sure. in the world. So I, I completely relate to that. Um, and as I was saying with the, uh, before, that I think... We have to be wary and, and I think aware of a lot of um, that, even though I feel like there's so much progress and we're having this conversation today and I think that's awesome. There is still a lot of kind of post-pandemic. I think there's still a lot of fear and fear-mongering around our bodies and our weight. And so I think there's a lot of people out there, you know, and diet culture is kind of insidious. And a lot of people will try and prey on those insecurities and sell you a plan and sell you X, Y, Z, because they can apparently, you know, change everything. And I think we have to be mindful of, you know, what we're spending our money on and and who we're giving our time to and actually Mm -hmm. thinking about, like we were saying before, how can I build movement into my self-care kit going forward in a really sustainable way that makes me feel good about myself. And I think the biggest red flag is if you find yourself engaging in exercise and food and stuff, and you feel that there's, it's coming from a place of guilt and shame and that actually, you know, that the program or the book or whatever it is kind of tells you that, you know, you're, not good enough until you achieve the after photo essentially or that or mm. that certain bodies are better than other bodies and that smaller bodies are better than than bigger bodies then you have to realize that there's that at the core of that is shame is guilt and that that those two things are never a positive foundation to build your relationship with exercise upon mm. they can never be a sustainable way for you to look after yourself and I think you know so the biggest red flag of all is like if you feel like people are trying to prey on your insecurities and you know market themselves you know as a way to kind of um sell you the dream just be really mindful of that because I do feel like there's a lot of that post-pandemic as well Mm. well before we finish you have the book train happy but you've also brought out the train happy journal can you give us a little bit of top line on that too? Yeah, so Train Happy, I would say, is almost like my manifesto. It's everything I believe about fitness and mental health and body image and food. And I wanted to cram it all in there um, 
and I've got lots of insight from people who are real experts in their field. Um, so I'm really proud of Train Happy and that came out in 2020. And off the back of that, we included the principles of intuitive movement in Train Happy. And I think a lot of people were like, okay, I love this. <laughs> I want to know more, but how do I do it? How do I implement this in my life? And so the Train Happy Journal was created and released late last year and it's a 30-day journal to help you kickstart your intuitive movement journey. So there's 30 days of prompts and questions and tasks to help you really think about your relationship with exercise and to help you kind of rebuild the trust and connection with yourself so that you Mm -hmm. can start to really engage in movement intuitively and really build that intuition long term. And so I'm really proud of that journal too. Both books have really beautiful artwork. And if anyone sees a copy of my books, you'll realize that I'm so conscious of trying to use imagery that really shows that movement looks different on everyone and that everyone is represented and so we've got uh, so many different I think beautiful illustrations in there as well that I, I hope really inspire people to say like oh look there's someone that looks like me moving in the way that I would love to move you know great very very encouraging and where can we find out more about you and your work tally so you can find me um on instagram at tally rye you can listen to my podcast the train happy podcast we're on a little bit of a hiatus but we are coming back which is very exciting and (laughs) um yeah you can keep up to date with me on my website as well and sign up to my newsletter brilliant so much good advice and you've inspired me to get those tunes going in the kitchen later on today with my kids so tally thank you very much for being with us today my absolute pleasure thank you so much liz and thanks to you for listening as always you will find more information with lots of links and resources good recipes great exercises over on lizellwellbeing.com and there you can also sign up for the free weekly Lizelle Wellbeing newsletter jam-packed with plenty of tips for living well and don't forget many more bits of advice research articles recipes that's our bi-monthly magazine Lizelle Wellbeing and if you haven't yet subscribed now is the perfect time to do that because there is the most incredible free new subscription gift available for all new subscribers on direct debit simply head to lizellewellbeing.com for all the details and yes in answer to so many overseas listeners questions we can indeed post the magazine abroad just might take a little longer to reach you well if you'd like to get in touch more quickly don't forget that you will find me on social media at lizelle me instagram is my preferred channel of choice also on twitter though or my team and i can also be found at lizelle wellbeing so until the next time we chat go well bye-bye Our Wellbeing Show is presented by me, Liz Earle, and is a Fresh Air production, with thanks to my producers, Ellie Smith and Chesie Bent. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.